Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to episode 47 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logan. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. John, today's the off day for training camp. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Dude, I... I have been looking forward to this day <laughs> for some time. Like there, there's, you know, like I, I know we haven't, you know, done a pod during training camp. And that's because it was literally like 11 practices in what, like 12 days, 13 days, something, mm-hmm. something like that. Like it, it's been an insane grind, but the grind is slowly, ever slowly coming to a halt. So I've, I've loved today, guys. Yeah, and thank goodness they like their first preseason game. First two preseason games are both away. That'll be Preach. that'll be pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I was out for the first two days of training camp, but I was there for the last ten. So it has definitely been a grind, and I'm I'm feeling the feeling the season kind of like rain down on us with you. But it's the dog days of training camp, and as you said, it's the first time we're podcasting and almost a month. So we're going to spew out some training camp, uh, some training camp takes. We're going to go group by group. So let's just start with the skill position players. John, what have you seen out of that group? I, okay. I don't know if this should be considered a hot take since expectations, (laughs) at least locally. Yeah. Yeah. Coming coming right out of the gate, man. Right out of the gate. Okay. Like I know everybody in Jacksonville, you know, obviously already thinks very highly of the skill group. I'm going to say my hot take is the Jags have a top three passing game in the NFL this year. So they're better than at least one of Buffalo or Cincinnati. Okay. What are we measuring? So for the, so I can put it down on the record. What are we measuring top three by? Like, oh God. You, you, you would make I'm me accountable. Get here. You would make me accountable. All right, let's, let's do Best majority out of DVOA. All right. Jags will have a top three passing DVOA by the season end. And no, okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what? <laughs> Let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there. Yeah. Let it die. That's, a, that's a good one to start, though. Yeah. All I right, mean, so you, 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 you've, been, had a, you've had a month to. You know, boil up any hot takes. Do you have any for us out the gate, or uh, you, uh... I've got one that we can get to later when we talk about a different okay. group. I, okay. I only I only had like one based on today's uh, what we're talking about. How, yeah. So but how has it? Up some a few for next time. How has the experience been for you so far? You know, covering a training camp for the first time. It's been uh, pretty awesome. I've been mostly just trying to like kind of get my bearings and like do more networking than like actually watching and like it's so different watching a practice than a game because like there's just no replay and like I don't know it's hard to watch everything at once so I've been trying to focus on like once a couple of certain aspects rather than trying to see everything because that's just impossible but I mean on one hand it's been really awesome to just like kind of get out in the atmosphere of a football practice because like 
that's why we do what we do. We love football, so that's really fun. But it's also brutally hot out. Like this whole month has been insane. So even just standing there has been not a pleasant experience in its own right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you. Well, it's been it's been cool to have you out there. The the only person who can see everything is the columnist Gene Fournette and his handy binoculars. And hmm. otherwise, the rest of us are mere mortals. But that that's that's like basically my process too for like watching camp practices. Is it's like before play, I say, okay, I'm gonna watch either this specific group or this specific player or two, and not watch like if you watch it like just the front to end like result to play like i feel like you miss so much like yeah totally. like, like yeah so and so caught the ball but i don't know what the hell happened <laughs> elsewhere you know right and then it's like they they'll like try to like use like bunch formations and like over overload like a blitz on one side to like distract the opposing team or like the opposing side but it also like distracts us because we're like oh we're looking at that eye candy when the play actually happens elsewhere so yeah I've definitely been caught a few times on stuff like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, I mean, overall, like, looking at the Jaguars, like, skill group, I think any good receiver room in the NFL, to me, has, like, a complementary set, like, like room, like, guys who can work off of each other. And I feel like they have that, you know, to an extent. I feel like Ridley can be a prototypical X, you know, outside receiver. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy in a straight line, but he's going to get open on the outside and in isolated situations. I feel like I feel like Zay is a good possession guy. I mean, he's he's come up big in the red zone, you know, th- throughout training camp. I'd, I'd honestly say he's been Trevor's favorite target in the red zone and training camp. And then Kirk, of course, you know, out of the slot on option routes, just getting him in space underneath the intermediate. I feel like they have that nice complimentary, you know, trio. And I mean, I, I've been thoroughly impressed and then some by like the passing game in general, but by their top three receivers throughout training camp so far. Like, I, I think any of the expectations that were had for him and they were obviously high, they've met or exceeded them so far. And you know, maybe that's a case of they're not playing the best secondary in the NFL in practice every day. Right. But I don't know, man. I, 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 f- I feel like they've really been clicking. I agree. I mean, it helps that, like, the wide receivers always practice right in front of the media during individual drills. And then, like, during uh, special teams, they'll go over and do drills too. But, like, I would say Ridley has been arguably the best player I've seen during camp. And Zay Jones has probably been the most impressive player I've seen just based on, like, expectations going in. I feel like the two of them are, like, have kind of, like, separated themselves from the pack. Like, really, it's just so awesome to watch on every route, regardless of, like, whether the ball goes to him or whether the ball is even caught, just because he's so good on, like, especially outside releases where he's, like, going vertical. And then, as you said, he doesn't have, like, elite speed, but he has good enough speed where, like, it's a threat. Yeah. Um, but then he like his suddenness is just so elite where he can like break it off at any point and like he's just wide open for like a full split second. Um and that's enough with Trevor Lawrence. So like he's been great to watch on every route as said. And then Zay has been awesome in the red zone. He had one day where he had four touchdowns, which is definitely like the biggest touchdown day by anyone in camp so far. But even like throughout camp, he's been looked super impressive physically. I mean I feel like and I thought this the other day. I want to say it was Sunday's practice when Ridley had two or three really nice catches. One, that one-handed catch along the left sideline. Another one where he beat Chris Claybrooks. And then he had the third impressive one near the sideline. I feel like him and Trevor Lawrence have already, like, that chemistry has already kind of been impressive. Like, I like I've, that specific connection. I feel like it's been like best case scenario so far. Like, I don't think like sometimes you put a quarterback and receiver together and for whatever reason, like the timing just doesn't seem like it's there, you know, early on sometimes ever, but man, it seems like they're like already on the right foot. I agree. I think like thinking back on it, they've had like a couple of like mess ups or like situations where they don't connect, but like Lawrence has also had that situation with every other player. It's not or with a lot of them really is just like not like that one day where he had like six drops. It's like he's getting open the balls right there and it's just like didn't catch it. So right. I, I, I'm with you. 
like even his bad days are like still you can kind of spin it in a way that it's good and it was an impressive performance this is spin zone baby yeah he said the day after he was like yeah yesterday was a good day <laughs> yeah. yeah hey hey do you what like three penalties Do- yeah, doesn't matter how many were would have that one on darius was a little bit soft <laughs> just kind of fell down but that's true and yeah the ball still got to him it's just finishing that's like the whole thing with the whole team but so I know I've told, talked to you in the past about like I've always had to take that Trevor Lawrence is more impressive in games than practices, and I'll be honest, the last couple of practices he's kind of been on a heater. But from what you've seen so far, is that kind of the impression that you got? Definitely, and I think like one other thing is like I've seen a couple of articles this summer about like how Lawrence is like one of the coaching tips for him is to like be more Clark Kent in some situations than Superman, even though we all know he can be Superman and to like play point guard more than shooting guard more often. So I think that's like been reflective in camp a little bit. Like he's been checking down like a decent amount. He had like the lowest check down rate among any quarterback last year. And there's been like a fair amount of like check downs and like kind of safer throws and he hasn't really forced a lot. Um, So I think that's made him seem like a little bit less exciting for than what you'd expect for like arguably a top five quarterback, but I'm like I'm excited to see if that kind of carries over during the preseason. Yeah. If he's like a little bit more conservative and then starts actually letting it rip in regular season games. Yeah, I'll top I'll top of my head. There haven't been many like decisions where you're just like, okay, what what, what the hell were you thinking that you know like there's that one like interception Chad Muma had like in like the first week of camp where he was trying to throw it the Ridley over the middle and you're like hmm, you missed. The 250-pound linebacker just standing there in the lane here throwing it, too. But otherwise, like, I'm with you. I feel like he's made, you know, good decisions. He's checked down a good bit. I feel like his touch has honestly improved. That's one area his first two seasons, especially in the red zone, I thought was I thought was an issue. But other than one day, like on the first week of camp where he missed a couple throws in the red zone, I think it was, like, honestly the first red zone day of the entire camp. Other than that, I feel like his touch has been impressive. And I – feel like the big thing is his overall processing speed and just how it feels like he's getting through plays and getting through his progressions. To me, it it very much looks like a guy who is now comfortable in the system because to me, it, it didn't look like that last year's training camp. I, I know that's obviously like a point of reference, you know, for me, but I felt like in last year's camp, it was a little bit of, okay, come on, get rid of the ball, dude, et cetera. And now I feel like he's flying through progressions. Yeah, I mean, I can't compare it to the last camp, but it definitely <laughs> it looks fast to me. Like, like in basketball, you can kind of tell just based on like the shooter's form whether or not it's going to go in, based on like just how like confident of a shot it is, almost, or just how smooth it looks. And that's like watching Trevor Lawrence play. Like, you can tell how good he is and how many throws he's making, kind of based on the smoothness. And he's looked pretty smooth. Yeah, I agree with your touch point that it's like been better, and especially in the red zone. Yeah, hundred percent. And then the skill group, like the rest of the receivers, that's to me like people like ask me a lot about competition battles, and like unless you're like deeply unwell about football, and like the second and third string battles excite you, there aren't many that are going to excite you like on this team. Like that, literally, we're turning every starter other than Jawan Taylor from playoffs and obviously they lost on key etc but it's basically the same team from last year so there aren't that many starting jobs up for grabs but i do feel like in terms of like interesting camp battles that wide receiver room after those first three guys and jamal agnew it's interesting what they could do because i feel like that room's had a good camp you know tim jones was obviously on the roster last year they clearly you know like him he's a very good blocker uh, Elijah Cooks, you know, the undrafted free agents had a great camp. He's made a lot of impressive grabs. Uh, Seth Williams has had a really good camp. Uh, Kevin Austin Jr. has been singled out by Press Taylor, Doug Peterson, and Trevor Lawrence himself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, God, I, I feel like I'm still missing people. Uh, Parker Washington, you know, it feels like he has a chance to make the roster as a fifth or sixth guy, mainly because – it seems like they want him to be Agnew's like backup as the return specialist. Mm-hmm. So maybe they want to develop a role for him there. But and then, you know, charge on or big 12 rep Jacob Harris got singled out by Doug Peterson last Saturday, too. So there's like five or six guys I feel like battling for like one or two spots. And it's tough for me to lean one way or another because I feel like they've all been impressive at one time or another. 
Yeah. I I feel like your guy, the UCF uh, Harris, has been like the most improved player throughout camp because I remember right. in mini camp he had a few like brutal drops and like just didn't really look like he belonged. But he's been impressive really in the last like week. He's had a few touchdown grabs. Um, and then like Williams is a guy that's impressed me and like hasn't been maybe um, I feel like he hasn't been consistently great enough to like maybe make it onto the roster since he'll be towards the bottom of that group. But he has like impressed me for a, a number of reps and same with Kevin Austin, like his improvement from last camp to this camp, even though I wasn't there last camp, like I remember reading a lot about like his drop issues and it can- he's and he's been pretty good like throughout this camp. It, it was legit like last year he was like player 88 or 89 on the roster in training camp. Like it was it was bad last year. Like he's definitely improved a ton. Yeah, so it is definitely an interesting group. I mean, at the top or closer to the top of it, would you say Tim Jones's job is as safe as Agnews cuz Agnews is definitely safe. No, no, no. I was like Agnews like a lock to be on the roster whereas Tim Jones I feel like is still competing with these other guys. Like it, it, it shocked a lot of people last year when Tim Jones made the roster over Laquan Treadwell. It wouldn't sh- like be a shock to the system this year, in my opinion, if Kevin Austin made it over Tim Jones. Like well, I just, just, I feel like competition has been that good. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't really like seen a ton from Tim Jones, honestly, compared to these other guys. I mean, CJ Beathard did like underthrow him on two touchdown passes the other day, but. I don't know. Like, I feel like the coaching staff across the board on every position group has kind of like leaned towards the veterans and like yeah. someone's going to have to really, really prove it if they're going to like steal a starting spot or even like move up a spot on the depth chart. So I'm interested to see like whether someone can make that convincing jump over Tim Jones. Oh, no, they, they definitely have. Like, I, I like that you point out that they've kind of, you know, turned more towards veterans than anything. Like, I keep getting asked about the day three defensive backs and like, you know, any of them pushing Trey Herndon and I don't want to be like break people's hearts. I'm like, man, they're all with the third team. <laughs> like they're not they're not getting any snaps, like important ones, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's Gregory a- Jr. getting a lot of those uh nickel snaps. That's Probably all those nickel snaps behind Herndon, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the number two nickel right now, I'd say. Yeah. Have you seen him take like really any outside reps or has it been all slot? Mostly slot. What about last year? Because I feel like he was definitely mostly outside last year. Yeah, last year he was mostly outside. I didn't see him in the slot much last year. Hmm. I yeah. wonder if they like think they can use him in both, or if they're like, now nah, he's only slot now. It, it's interesting because when Tyson got his concussion, I thought they were going to move Herndon outside just for the sake of this is what you know we would actually do if this happened mm-hmm. and put Greg Jr. inside. But they just kept Herndon inside, which makes me think, they just want the nickel like to be its own thing. Like just focus on this one position. Don't cross train. True. Which fair enough. It's a different enough rule, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the wide receiver has obviously been impressive. The tight end room. I can't put the Jaguars have a deep tight end room. I never thought I'd say that in my life. I I've been, it, it's funny. Cause like these two things are true at the same time. I've both been thoroughly impressed by the tight end room. And I also think their second round pick is like the third or fourth best tight end on the roster. Yeah. I'm wondering if he's going to like, cause third is like, he's third at best. I'm wondering if he's going to drop to fourth because Garrett Prince has been pretty good. Like all camp. He's definitely one of like the biggest winners or risers or anything. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it really like the Dan Arnold role basically last year where it seemed like whenever they did want to go two tight ends last year, instead of playing, Ingram and Man Hurts, they'd want to go with like two of the you know big jumbo slot type guys. So they would put Arnold and Ingram on the field together. I feel like you'll see Garrett Prince and not not a big role, but I feel like he'll carve out some kind of role. And like if I had to guess, like you know, rank their targets that you think you're gonna get. Obviously, Ingram's number one. I'd say Prince is number two over Farrell and Strange. And then like Luke Farrell is somebody who they obviously like a lot. You know, Press Taylor basically said at the start of camp, like he has a you know chance to take you know the, the Chris Manhurst role as a top, you know, uh, inline tight end on the roster. It it's just he's never going to be a guy that really stands out in training camp because it seems like every route they ask him to run is like five yards or less. <laughs> so 
he's definitely not running <laughs> Same <laughs> some of these other guys like have you seen him do anything other than like a hitch all all training no, no. And it's not because he can't, like, it's been all blocking i feel like yeah and even when like they're doing like the receiving drills he's he's the guy pretending to block <laughs> exactly so he's <laughs> Not going to see very many footballs go his way. And then Brendan Strange has obviously been much more involved in the passing game in team drills than Luke Farrell has. I wouldn't say as much as Garrett Prince has. But, I mean, I feel like he's been better in training camp, especially since Pats have come on since than he was during the offseason. Like, definitely seems yeah. like it's slowing down for him a bit. And definitely seems like he's a guy who he's just better with pads on than he is on air because – physicality is a big part of his game and he gave a vicious stiff arm to Ray Sean Jenkins during team drills yesterday. That was, yeah, it, it, it was impressive. And it helped him pick up like an extra like 10 yards or something like that. He's definitely been like one of the most improved players throughout camp. And I think you're right about like the pads coming on being better for him. Cause it's just like, it's his game more better. Yeah. He's like like, like player and more of like, I don't know, technique player, I guess. Exactly. Like Garrett Prince will look better when they're running in shorts and the helmet that Brendan Strange will, you know, totally. but Brendan Strange, you know, when you put the pads on, he'll have plays like that where you're like, okay, you know, he offers something different. Right. I definitely feel way more optimistic about the tight end room than I thought I would have like six months ago. Cause it was like, Oh, Arnold and Manhart's are free agents. And Engram is also was going to be a free agent technically before he got tagged. So it was like, oof, like what's going to happen. They've got nothing. But even though, they added a second round tight end who's going to be the thir- third or fourth player in snaps played. Like the depth has been impressive. Deep room, baby. And yeah. that's not even getting into the murderer's row of uh, Sammy Reyes, Josh Peterson, and Derek Parrish. <laughs> Got nothing there. <laughs> nothing there. Sammy Reyes would be an interesting practice squad guy just because he's so raw and he's obviously a freak. Peterson and Parrish, I got on. Yeah, they're like on the, they're candidates for first player cut. Yeah. And then, like, it, it's interesting to me, like, Prescott asked about the fullbacks like a week ago, fullback in the offense. And he was like, yeah, I've never been in an offense with a fullback. He's like, we always just use tight ends for any fullback stuff. And then he's like, yeah, Evan can do it. Bryn can do it. <laughs> like, yeah, so you definitely, you're prepared for this guy. Did not do it. I thought it was interesting though, like the very first live red zone play that they did, where like ETN scored on the pitch to the left. Uh, like they had Bigsby lined up at running back, so or lined up at fullback. So I'm sure like tight ends will mostly play the fullback role, but I think there'll be a, a few situations like that where Tank also does it. Yeah, no, it definitely. But not like, the parish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they definitely have and. Options and that brings us, you know, to the running back room. Obviously, I mean, what what have you been your impressions of that room so far, and how things might shake out between you know ETN and the tank? The tank has been continued to be one of the most impressive players during camp. I think. Uh, I mean, like just the other day, he had a seventy-yard touchdown run where he was untouched, and Cam Robinson had a nice outside block. But Cam like, had a good camp too. Cam has had a good camp, but. I mean, Tank has had, uh, in Coach Campo's words, good eyes. And, like, vision was a thing that the coaches were obviously looking for. And, like, based on, like, their comments on him and based on his performance in camp, like, it seems like he's got it. Um, So that'll be huge for, like, just inside the 20s. Um, But then, like, in the situations that he's been in, like, short yardage and goal line, he's been impressive there, too. Like, as you were saying a few days ago, full steam ahead, like a freight train. like he he looks like he belongs. So I wrote that and some fantasy like account retweeted it and somebody replied saying, Did his mom write this? <laughs> you asses. But he's been that impressive to me. Do you know it's a take that among fantasy people that he isn't a big back? I mean, ETN is bigger than him. He's listed bigger than him, but is he bigger than him? What do your eyes tell you? No, what, yeah, what do right. your eyes tell you? In the, if you had to like sort what type of running back he is, he's definitely like a bruiser. I think he's way bigger than he's like a one cut zone. Yeah, I had somebody say that to me yesterday when I tweeted at ET and get the first two goal line carries. They're like, 
Well, Tank will, of course, get them because his name's Tank, even though he's smaller and slower and weaker than ETN. <laughs> I, I see it like Tank was listed 5'11", 210. ETN was 5'10", 215. I, I think Tank looks way bigger than ETN. But what, what do your eyes say, Gus? Tell me what your eyes say. I mean, yeah, my eyes say Tank is more powerful. I guess ETN mostly just has a couple inches on him, which, like, adds some pounds, too. But... Yeah, Tank looks like like he's got like that look in his eyes where he's like aggressive and like finishing every rep. This this has not gone the way I wanted. What? <laughs> I wanted you to stand with me passionately saying Tank is the biggest running back in football since William the Fridge Parish. <laughs> but alas, I'm with you. I've been impressed by him. I've been I thought ETN's first touchdown yesterday in goal line. That toss around the left, I thought that was a really impressive play. Like he basically broke, you know, a tackle from Muma and then a tackle from Allen at the goal line and still scored. I I think ETN's had a good camp. Like it's so tough for me to figure out how they're going to determine touches at the running back position, just because ETN I feel like it still has so much untapped potential. And how do you take a guy off the field if he's ripping off long runs? But then also, how many touches are there even going to be for the running back position? You know to begin with i think like kind of like how we talk about the receivers where it can go week to week and yeah it's like zay could have 10 one week and one the next and same for pretty much everyone but ridley probably but like that could be true of the running game too in terms of like who the opponent is and like what type of fronts they're seeing and what they want to do specifically specifically in the run game because i think um until, like, they know that they can get, like, better vision inside the tackles from the running backs, like, their go-to run is, like, outside stuff with ETN, uh, like, to get them out in space. Like, that's just, like, the most efficient play for them and probably, like, the thing they ran the most along with, like, inside zone because they're just an inside zone model team with all the shotgun towards the end of the season. Um, but, like, if they, like, start the season and against teams that, like, they feel like they can, like, get some like really consistent inside stuff with and like on stuff that they trust tank with over like gap stuff, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think it could depend week on week. That's fair. That's fair. And then the rest of the running back room, Jermichael Hasty, Snoop Connor, Deonis Johnson. I feel like Deonis Johnson's had some impressive plays throughout camp. And then he's also been a pretty obvious factor on special teams. I think that's his ticket to make in the roster. You know, he was a special teams ace in Cleveland. He played like 50% of their special team snaps each of the last two seasons. I feel like Hasty has had, you know, the, the kind of training camp you'd expect from Hasty. It maybe hasn't stood out in a big way, but it's obvious that he's like higher up in the pecking order than, you know, some of the other guys. So I, my prediction of those being the top four running backs, I think is still holding true. Definitely. And like even the kind of spot on since the signing that Dearness is going to be more of a special teams guy than like actually provide significant rushing value. But like my biggest surprise from the like unofficial depth chart being released today was that Bigsby was over hasty in the depth chart. Just because like I just said earlier about how the Jag staff seems like they're willing to like let the proven veterans kind of like be on the top of the depth chart. Um, so I guess like I guess it seems like Tank has already proven otherwise and that he's maybe gotten that backup role already. That's a great point. That, that really is because, like, Hasty, like, saw a ton of snaps last year. So for Bigsby to already be above him, that, that's a good point. We are going to break real quick for our sponsors, and then we'll be right back to talk about everybody's favorite topic, the offensive line. Gus, the Jaguars offensive line has been, like, probably the most debated part of the team other than the pass rush over the last couple of months. They're obviously working through some things right now, which I think is like the biggest thing clouding my evaluation team. It's like Cam Robinson's suspended. So he's obviously working mostly with the second team. So you're not seeing much of what their line would look like when he returns. Mm -hmm. Ben Barch is on the PUP list. He's not practicing Tyler Shatley, who's thankfully is okay. You know, he's a, he's a, Great guy, longest tenure Jaguar on the team. Had that AFib situation last week. He's still going through individual stuff, but he's not doing any contact stuff right now. But, but so he's out right now. 
Walker Little can't play guard right now because he's playing tackle because Cam suspended. <laughs> it, it, it seems like the line right now, it's like so in flux that it's almost hard to even really evaluate it. There's a lot going on. Like Brewer was taking center snaps the other <laughs> There's day. There's a lot going on. And Shatley was out. And like the coaches, especially Press Taylor, I feel like he's kind of like preaching uh, versatility on the offensive line and like how that's like a good way to provide value and kind of stay on the roster and get snaps. But like they're almost getting forced to like show that versatility now instead of like showing it in case they need it later. It's uh, it's definitely a little bit of a merry-go-round. Yeah, it a hundred percent is. And then that's not even like including Anton Harrison missed like three or four or the first day in pads and team drills with a shoulder injury. He's yeah. been back since Saturday. He's been back like in team drills and you know, they had Blake Hans at right tackle. Josh Wells, at right tackle Blake Hans will probably start at left guard on Saturday. Who is Blake Hans? You know, they're all <laughs> quick questions. You, you don't know. want to know. <laughs> to be asked. I, so say everybody gets healthy, you know, for week one, where, what's your concern level if, if there is one with the unit? I mean, it's kind of the same concern that I have with the pass rush and even the secondary. It's just like right now it's okay. can probably hold up against most teams and like, it'll probably really only be a problem until like you get to the playoffs, but if like just one of your like key guys in that unit goes down, then it is like massive trouble. So as you said, with all of like the tackle movement and then Chatley with the abnormal heartbeat, uh, like they've been having to do it now, but so like, I don't know. How, how do you scale? Yeah. It's tough. You are, I would say like a six out of 10 as of now, but like if Shatley like doesn't start week one for some reason, even though I probably guess like right now that he would, then it's climbing to like a seven or eight. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Has there been any guy that has, you know, stood out to you who maybe isn't one of the, you know, the Brandon Sheriffs or the Walker Littles or the Anton Harrisons of the group? I would say Cooper Hodges has definitely stood out. I don't know if it's more of his energy <laughs> rather than his actual play. It's a little both. But, I mean, he's been delivering cartwheels before every practice, getting the crowd fired up. Uh, he was in a little bit of a scuffle during the stadium practice on Saturday. He's going to lead camp in fights. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a stat we're in training camp. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than any training camp passing stat you see. Sure that. I mean – uh, we've heard from the coaching staff a ton about like how they want more physicality up front and where they want more guys like Sheriff um, who are just like mean and mugged and in the trenches and yada, yada. So feels like Cooper Hodges may supply some of that. And yeah. I mean, when he was drafted, he's also been playing with like second or third teamers and like his play hasn't necessarily been like stand out good to me. That's fair. I mean, when he was drafted, it, felt to me like kind of like a throwaway like project pick mm -hmm. i'd almost pencil him in on the 53 man roster oh yeah i was gonna say i would i feel like he might be the day three guy that has like the best chance of like being on the roster which i definitely would not have thought of yeah on that weekend i mean i feel like he's been a little like more than just a cartwheels before practice you know <laughs> yada yada like i feel like he's been impressive in team drills Obviously had a big block on Tank's touchdown in space uh, yesterday, but I feel like he's held his own, even against like the likes of Foley Fadakasi, Devon Hamilton. Like he's a strong dude. So he's he's definitely been someone who has stood out to me. Uh, Walker Little is another guy who obviously he's one of the big names of the line, but I feel like he's had a great camp. I also feel like you can see he's really matured into his like NFL frame. I mean, when he entered the NFL in 2021, you know, he was 6'7". And I like probably the thinnest like offensive lineman they had, you know, on the roster. I mean, you go look, look back at pictures of him his rookie year, and he almost looked like a jumbo, you know, tight end. And now he's he's added. I think it's clear he's added a ton of strength. Like it's at the point where like he's anchoring bull rushes from Trayvon Walker, and it's not looking like a problem for him. Whereas, I feel like he still has like more room to grow in too. Honestly, it, dude, he's played like nine football games in the last four years, but. Like, you've been watching, like, the O-line, D-line battles a lot more than I have, but he's, like, probably easily been, like, the best offensive lineman that yeah. I've noticed or, like, 
he's like the most easy to appreciate to or most easily noticeable based on how well he's been doing. Him and Cam have been the best two linemen in camp, I think. Yeah. I mean, Cam is also playing against Abdullah on a lot. I, I think even – we've seen times where Cam's been with the first team and they've moved Walker over to left guard. And I think even then Cam's still in practice. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's true. Mr. Well, actually. <laughs> I was pretty concerned about Anton's injury at first, even though it now seems like it's okay, just because, like, we saw the impact of lost training camp reps last year with uh, Devin Lloyd. So I was afraid it was going to be like a little bit of a repeat with that because people are, I think, just kind of like started to assume that he's going to be an easy plug and play for Jawan because, oh, like that was like the one starting position on the offensive line that got replaced. And like it's a first round player who led up like one sack in the last two years. So obviously he's going to be fine immediately. But that's like kind of my part of my concern with like having a six for week one as of now is just that like we haven't really seen a ton of Anton and like, he hasn't been like bad or anything when we, when we have seen him, but I'm not like quite convinced that he's going to be NFL ready. It's worth remembering. I think that Juwan Taylor wasn't a player. People would have cared about losing until his fourth season. Like it's, it, it takes time sometimes, you know, like to me, one thing I've come to really appreciate since I started covering the Jaguars in 2019 is that if you're good in the NFL as a rookie, you're a special player because most rookies are downright not good or they're flashy. There are very few who are legitimately good right away. So to me, I think it needs to almost be presumed with rookies that anything you get is kind of gravy, you know, and that's, I expect Anton to be their fourth or fifth best offensive lineman this year. You know, I expect there to be games where people are freaking out saying, you know, what the hell is going on? You drafted this guy, yada, 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 because it takes time. I think Cam Robinson, even so they interviewed him, they're like, he's going to be a good player. There'll be some rough stretches, but he'll be good. And, like, <laughs> that, that's how it is, you know. So I still think he's going to be good. I think he has the size, the strength. Uh, I, he he is another guy who he was able to anchor against Trayvon Walker. The other, like, Trayvon's, like, the perfect limitless test to me because, like, I, I probably messed up saying that. I, I don't care. How, however you pronounce it, Trayvon's the perfect test to me. For like how strong a tackle's anchor is because his bull rush is just, you know, it's he has a ton of power and Anton was able to survive it. So that to me is telling. So, yeah, I expect him to struggle a bit as a rookie, but I also don't expect it to be that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i with you there. Like, I, I think he will be good. It's just that, like, we got to remember that he's a rookie. But, I mean, that's my hot take for the week is that Will Anderson's going to have three sacks against him in week three. Really? <laughs> Like, just like you said, like there's going to be a couple of games that are like rough and that people are like starting to worry. And so I, I don't didn't really feel like there was someone on the Colts or the Chiefs. I wonder <laughs> if any players ever sacked Trevor Lawrence two times in an NFL game. That's fair. I just thought two. Was- I, have no, I have no answer for that. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Hassan Riddick might have actually done it last year. Now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, sure, he might have. Yeah. Ah man, see there you go. Okay, put it on the board. I, oh, it's on there. It's on there. Okay. It's on there. Okay. Can you okay. under? Can you underline it for me? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I All right. It. Should we move on to the next? Oh yeah, still in the trenches though, baby. Still yeah, in still trenches. in the trenches. You want to do D line or just front seven? I guess either or. We can start with the edge rushers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I there's a clip of me like on 1010 saying I'd hit the panic button. I will say thank you. I, I will say the graphic being Trayvon Walker when I said I'm more worried about their depth was a bit I that's more so my issue with them is I think Josh Allen's gonna have a good year. I think Trayvon Walker will have a fine season. I don't think he's gonna be a player that you're like, okay, this guy's unplayable or anything like that. Like I don't think he's going to hit 10 sacks or anything, but I think he's going to have a, like a, a solid year after them though. I I'm more concerned with the pass rush group now than I was before training camp. I, if any, either one of them gets hurt, then you're just not <laughs> generating a pass rush without like scheming it up completely, you know, and people want to say Devin Lloyd, Devin Lloyd, he got a single pass rush rep the other day, a single one, just one. 
and it was against Koi Kronk, who more or less controlled him with relative ease. Koi Kronk, who I believe is like fourth on the depth chart at offensive tackle, third or fourth, something like that. Yeah. And Mike Caldwell took just about six questions on it yesterday. And he was like, no, he's not doing that. It's not a new role. It's just he, he'll he do it in the occasional formation. So we want him to yeah. at least practice it. In certain packages. Yeah. And I just I, – I don't – I feel like the best way to sum up the edge group is I think through two weeks of training camp, Caleb Von Chason has been their third best edge. <laughs> As the coaching staff told us, their third, their third guy – I was like watching them in the cornerback group, hoping that there was going to be like someone in the depth that kind of like improved a lot and like stood up and like made a name for himself. And that just like, didn't really feel like it happened. Like they're just for all the times that I've said the word impressive on this podcast already, the pass rush depth was not, has not been impressive during training camp. Like DJ Coleman and Willie Taylor are obviously just camp bodies. Uh, Jordan Smith hasn't really done much, much of note like at all. Doesn't even really get that many reps to begin with. And Yusuf Abdullah looks like, like we said, it's tough to be good as a rookie. And he's already like a day three pick. So the expectation should be held back a little bit. I know people got really excited for him because of his skill set, the hype with everything. He got drafted later than he was expected. I thought he looked really good at the start of training camp because of his natural burst and stuff. But once pads have came on, he's been, I feel like, one of the more easily blocked players. Yeah. I mean, you just said it. It's like the burst is impressive, and then that's kind of it. Like, his get-off is good at the line of scrimmage. But then, like, once – if he doesn't, like, win with that get-off, which I feel like he hasn't even won with it, it just looks good. Uh, yeah, he hasn't done a lot. I feel like the most impressive, like, edge rusher not named Walker or Allen has been Deshaun Dixon, but yeah. he's also like more of an inside guy. <laughs> yeah. When they did count him as an edge rusher, when they did the goal line defense yesterday, he was at three tech. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Jamal St. Cyr said that he did an interview with him. And in the interview, he was like, yeah, they want me. Um, what's it called? Inside on running downs and outside on passing downs. I'm like, that's backwards. Yeah. That that's totally right. backwards. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I feel like he's been impressive, but he also – I think he said in that same interview that the coaches staff told him he would have a better chance to make the roster as an interior player than on the edge. <laughs> I feel like that's also backwards. So, he's had a good camp, though. Like, I, he's had a much better camp than he had last year, and he made the team last year. So, I, I don't know how you necessarily keep him off this year. I feel like he's arguably had, like, the most flashy plays and, like, one-on-ones, at least that I've seen. He's in, he's intriguing he as like a wins. yeah he's intriguing as like an undersized interior guy yeah I like I feel like now that like pretty much every veteran uh, edge has been like signed now because Jan just signed in Chicago and Justin Houston signed with the Panthers like everyone's like okay Melvin Ingram come on down here's our Arden key replacement you can play inside and outside but the Jags are like nope that's Deshaun Dixon we have Melvin Ingram at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I, I don't know who who else they'd even sign. Like Carlos Dunlap, he's really old. Robert Quinn's really old. I don't think they'd ever sign Jadavion Clowney. I just I, I I think especially one Clowney has said, I think after he got traded to Seattle, how much he hates playing in a three four defense. <laughs> like he and understandable, you know, he hated dropping in coverage and all that. And then last year with the Browns, where he basically got himself kicked off the team for complaining about them putting Miles Garrett against the weaker offensive tackles, which it, it just doesn't seem like something that would fly under the architect, Trent Bulky. <laughs> architect. <laughs> yeah, yeah one. someone pu- published like six free agent uh, edge rushers like left on the market, uh, like literally like thirty minutes ago, and the list is pretty sad because it's just Dunlap. And Clowney, and then like t- at least two guys I haven't even heard of. So. Anthony Barr interests you? <laughs> Who? Anthony Barr? No, I think he actually signed with the Saints today, pending physical. So that's another name off the list. That's a bad list. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wonder what cornerbacks are left. I don't look that up. I 
I, I just think like it's obvious that if they were going to add a pass rush here, they would have done it by now. You know, like there are so many other times to do it. And I get it. You can't add a guy who wants to be a starter, yada, 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 but do something. <laughs> like, I, 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 like you can see Trent Balky like watch the pass rushers intently every single day, too. And I'm just like, how are you seeing like this unit and you're not like feeling, you know, and maybe he is feeling the urgency. I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm wrong there, but it just, like I said, the starters to me, good to go. You know, you can roll with them. You can win on them, but if they miss any time at all, they're screwed. Yeah. Defensively, that is again, they're kind of built like a team who, at least this year, doesn't think defense matters. So maybe none of this matters. So. <laughs> of course, nothing matters, Sean, but that makes everything matter somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not seeing any interesting free agent corners, but yeah, that's like, yeah, free agency. Like, someone said like in the past week it was either Bradbury, Bradbury, who's I was looking at the corners, that's why. Not free Bradbury. Agency. It was yeah. either Caldwell or Josh Allen who said like in the past week that like the front end and the back end of the defense is married. And so like they could have like gotten like better at cornerback and then that would have like ended up helping out the edge rushers because Didn't of that, that either. <laughs> but, like, they, like they had to at least add at one and they added at neither. <laughs> I love how you presented a whole alternative option. It's like, nope, <laughs> <that either. laughs> and here was I like three months ago thinking the Jags would do both. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's definitely something. And that's more so what I meant when I said I'd hit the panic button is that like to me, like the pass rush stuff last year, you, you know, you had Harden Key and Dewan Smoot with your number three and number four guys. That's to me, outstanding depth, you know, and that's the kind of room, you know, you should want to have. And it just does not look like it right now, but that can go ahead and shift us over to the interior defensive line. I feel like that's been, that, that right now is the strength of the defense. I feel like Devon Hamilton's had a great camp. He looks so much more explosive, in my opinion, than we've ever seen him. He's given Brandon Sheriff some issues in team drills and in one-on-ones. Uh, Roy Robinson Harris has had a good camp. Uh, Foley Fadakasi has gotten some hype from the coaching staff. And then Tyler Lacey has been a day three guy who, over the last couple of days, you know, that's that's Dave Campos' guy. Yeah, big the big he's lace. Huge. I did not know how big he is. He, I keep thinking he's Calais Campbell, which is yeah. mostly because he wears ninety three. But he's a big dude. He, he he is he is he's he's impressive, man. Yeah, he's been. I think he's been like the like lower depth guy who's like flashed maybe the most besides like Dixon. Um, but then like the three starters like, or if like in a three four between Ham and. Roy Robertson, Harris, and Fatu Kazi, like they've like done as well as I think like the coaching staff would have wanted, and like is hoping out of those three guys because, like as you kind of said, like they're the heart of the defense because like the really the Jaguars are going to get into like good third down situations that they'll hopefully be able to take advantage of because like their run defense up front is stout with those three guys. Um, so like if they can get a little bit of like a rush on third down too, then like that could change like the entire pass rush. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you hundred percent. And that's, that I, I guess is the big key to the pass rush this year is can those interior guys get a push, you know, can Devon Hamilton improve as a pass rusher? Can Roy Robinson Harris, you know, be consistent in that regard? Uh, Smoot when he comes back, Dixon potentially seems like early in the season be the perfect time to give Dixon, you know, some snaps there. So that definitely does seem like the, part of the team and the defense right now i would say we're gonna hit you with one more break for our ads and then we'll come back to break down the two final spots on the roster guess off ball linebackers everybody loves them i like what i've seen devin always had a good camp lord has had a good camp he was like he and trayvon i like was keying in on them as like the second year first round guys who, like, needed, like, a boost in confidence as much as a boost in performance. And, like, he has definitely had a boost in confidence and, like, looks like he's in the right, right spot way more, even if he's, like, not necessarily making the play. Um, and then just, like, between the snaps, too, just, like, how he's, like, walking around with his head up instead of his head down. I think it's been a big improvement from him. And I've, I've been impressed with 
all three of the, those linebackers, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think Lloyd's had a great camp. I, I think him missing training camp last year, almost the entirety of it, with that hamstring injury, that he literally got it in the conditioning test before training camp. So it couldn't have happened any closer to camp. I think that really played a big part in his rookie season because he looked like a guy who his head was spinning, you know, when he was out there. Even when he was playing well, it looked like it was just a lot of information for him. Mm-hmm. And now it just seems like he has that information down and he's processing things quicker. So he's playing faster. Like, to me, he didn't play very fast at times last year, even though he's supposed to be like the prototypical, you know, athletic, rangy, silent, and silent linebacker. His processing speed prevented him from playing that fast last year where I think you're seeing the difference and the opposite kind of effect this year so far. Totally. I feel like that will have like a potentially massive effect on the whole defense, just because at times last year, like opposing offenses would really key in on him and just like go after him in the run game and the pass game. And so like, just because defense is more about your depth than your star power, I think like him not being like a straight up liability, like he was at certain points is going to be a big effect. Because that's the thing. It wasn't like he was average last year. Like, he was straight up, like, teams were, like, hurting the entire defense because they were just running or throwing at him. And it seems like he's taken that challenge. And, of course, we'll see when week one comes around. Maybe this is all, you know, smoke and mirrors. We'll we'll see when the actual bullets start flying. But he's definitely answered the questions, I think, so far. And I'm with you. I think Chad Muma's also had some impressive moments. It's definitely not a competition, I'd say. You know, I've had people ask me early on in training camp how, you know, it's looking between Lloyd Muma, who's going to start. It's pretty obvious that it's Lloyd's job and that Muma is the backup. Yeah, Muma's been taking like all second team reps. Yeah, and that's that's fine because I can imagine the leash on Lloyd won't be extremely long, and that they'd be comfortable putting Muma in there with the starting defense. I feel like Shaq Quarterman has had a solid camp. Uh, Caleb Johnson's had, you know, some nice plays and pass coverage. He's a really good special teamer, too. Vintrell Miller had a really good day in pads yesterday. You know, a couple couple tackle for losses. So that seems like a room that's really, you know, taken the step forward this offseason that they needed because they needed Lloyd and Muma to improve. And, of course, you know, it's early. We won't know until the bullets start flying, but it looks like they have so far. I, yeah, I got nothing else to add. They, it's been like a maybe like the strongest position group, definitely on the defense, or I guess them in the interior defensive line. I've yeah. Been, uh, just like altogether impressive. And then that brings us to the secondary. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like Tyson Campbell's had, you know, up until his concussion, was having a fantastic camp. Him and Calvin Ridley were having some like Titanic battles. Like they yeah. were. Like, it was awesome. It, it was fantastic. Uh, Darius, Will- Darius Williams did really good against Calvin Ridley in yesterday's practice in one-on-ones. You can see he kind of really took it personal and accepted the challenge of Ridley only wanting to go against Tyson Campbell pretty much. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had one play where he intercepted Lawrence after not allowing any separation. And then another play where Lawrence, like, basically looked like he was about to spike the ball because Ridley wasn't open at all. And he was just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> next rep, next rep. <laughs> and then otherwise, though, like, they have a lot of interesting guys. Like, we talked about Greg Jr. I feel like Eric Hallett has been interesting. You know, six-round pick from Pittsburgh. He's uh, – we talked about this earlier. He's not going to push Trey Herndon for playing time right now. Everybody keeps asking that. He's, it's just not going to happen. He's running with the third team. But they have put him at nickel. They've put him at safety. He's impressed me. I think he's got good ball skills. I think he's a guy to watch. And, you know, maybe he takes a Gregory Jr. like, you know, year one to year two leap next year. And then next year is ready to push for a starting spot. Uh, Montark Brown has been, you know, another interesting guy who I think has made plays here and there. And I I, I think he's probably in, the, in a competition with Chris Clayworks and Devon Campbell to – you know, be the top backup option on the outside because you've seen him, you've seen Clay Brooks, and you've seen Tavon Campbell all kind of take reps there since Tyson got hurt. Yeah, I'm probably most excited to see Brown during this preseason games because I think he's a guy that's like maybe it's because he's a veteran compared to like all these day three rookies and a couple undrafted guys, but he's like consistently taking second team reps and is on the second team on the depth chart. And um, I think he was, like, the first guy to step up in the starting spot, like, when Tyson went down. So, 
like if like in an emergency, as we've talked about, like if one of the starters at like this week uh, starting secondary group goes down and like someone else has to come up, like as of now, it's looking like it's going to be Brown. So he hasn't like stood out in a big way to me in camp. Like he's been like good, not great, I guess, because he's had yeah. plays and I definitely haven't seen him like getting burned or anything. Um, but I'm excited to like really see how he does against other teams. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I feel like corner is like the same as receiver where it feels like after the first three guys, there's like two or three spots and like five or six people fighting for them. Yeah. I would definitely agree though that like Darius has like stepped up um, in the past couple of days without Tyson in a good way. But even like throughout camp, I've been impressed by him and he's like one of the quieter good players on the team, especially since like he prefers playing outside. And it's yeah. not just the coach's decision. And then Tyson, like, I feel like he and Ridley were just the two best players in camp until he got injured. I, I agree with you. I, I'd say right now I'm comfortable in saying Tyson, Darius, Herndon, and Greg Jr. on the 53. And then spots after that are left to be determined. Yeah. I, I feel like Brown could be, like, in a similar tier as Gregory. But yeah. we'll see if someone overtakes him. Yeah, that we will. And then safety. No, nothing really, in my opinion, to note there. Like, you're seeing Antonio Johnson's running as, like, the fifth safety right now. You know, like, Daniel Thomas is still running with the second team with Andrew Wingard. You're seeing Johnson work in the slot a little bit, mostly against tight ends. I know it was kind of made of a big deal, him coming over to cover Evan Ingram at one-on-ones. Uh, nobody talked about the result of said one-on-ones, which – maybe should slow down the hype train a little bit. Like he did go over to follow him, but that was about as close as he got to him during, <laughs> during, during the drill. Times, not just one rep too. Yeah. So I, I feel like Johnson, like if he makes an impact this year, he'll be on special teams. And again, he's another guy you're hoping to see development from. I just, most of this rookie class outside the first couple guys, I think you're just kind of stashing this year and then hoping to take jumps next year like guys like Greg Jr., like Tyson did last year, like Walker Little has, like guys throughout the roster, you know, like like Kevin Austin, you know, Devin Lloyd, et cetera. Like you've seen that improvement happen, and it really seems like that's what they're banking on with a lot of these guys. I mean, it's a smart system because, like, it's good to kind of have, like, a longer plan in place rather than just, like, hoping for immediate production from rookies because, as you said, it's pretty rare and – just not a good formula for success so as much as it might like be interesting or maybe good if like a rookie can overtake someone in like the depth chart at important positions that have like less depth like it would be a good thing for rookies to get experience in year one and then actually contribute in year two or beyond 100 percent. i'm with you and then of course gus special teams not much going on at punter and kicker Logan Cook's been fantastic. Brandon McManus, I think, has been very solid throughout training camp. You're not hearing about him at all, which is so much better than last year when you're hearing about the kickers every day when Dave Campo was nearly getting assassinated. It was was rough last year. And then the most interesting, the only interesting thing to me at Returner so far has been it seems like it's Parker Washington's role behind Jamal Agnew. And Heath Falwell was like, yeah, that was – Christian Kirk's role last year, but we don't want him to do that anymore because he's obviously too important to the offense. Yeah, that'll be a fun thing to watch for in preseason too. It's just Parker Washington taking a lot of punt return duties. I wonder if Cisco's going to get any in preseason either because that's been one interesting part about special teams is seeing that he's been getting punt return reps. And by my count, he's only dropped one, but like he was a guy that Farwell talked about as like someone that's been consistent and been doing a good job for him he just volunteered for the job yeah absolutely well we ran through it all we got a couple more i think probably like six or seven more training camp practices obviously we'll have jaguars versus cowboys on saturday you're here from gus and i at some point next week to talk about that game all the exciting 12 plays that happened in the first two series (laughs) Gus, you got anything else for us no we got our hot takes out uh Score prediction for Saturday? I'll go 15 to 9, Cowboys. 
<laughs> All right, I'm going to root for fun and go 33-30 Jaguars. There is no chance. Of course. I know, but I just had to do it out of spite for your the um, hell out of here. Oliver Morton's going to score the only touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a Parker Washington punt return. There's going to be a Monteric Brown pick six. It's going to be electric. All the things that make you look smart. <laughs> exactly. I gotcha. Well, thank you for joining us. As always, we'll be back some point next week. John Shipley, Gus Logue. And we will see you all later.